You're listening to Ithaca Now, WICB's weekly news podcast focused on stories in the Ithaca community. I'm your host, Himadri Said, and thanks for joining us. On tonight's episode, former news director Jay Bradley talks about Cornell Lab of Ornithology's birdwatching event, and I talk to Dear at IC's co-president about accessibility on Ithaca College. But first, here's George Christopher and Beck Legato with this week's Politics and Community Beat. I'm George Christopher. Here is your weekly politics roundup. Ithaca's acting mayor, Laura Lewis, has confirmed she will seek a full term in this November's special election. The news was confirmed by the Ithaca Voice last Friday. Lewis ascended to the position following the resignation of longtime mayor Savante Myrick. The special election will decide who will hold the mayorality for the remainder of the term. The current term runs through the end of 2023. The race for state senate is heating up as former Binghamton City Councilor Leah Webb announced over 20 Tompkins County endorsements. According to the Ithaca Times, Webb was endorsed by multiple Ithaca City officials, including former Mayor Savante Myrick. Tompkins County now sits in the 53rd state senate district, along with Webb's old stomping grounds of Binghamton. This new seat is heavily Democratic and is expected to be a Democratic pickup. Leslie Danksburg, who was a Democratic nominee in the 58th Senate District in 2020, has also secured a number of endorsements. According to the Ithaca Voice, Danksburg received the endorsement of three local unions. Also in the race is Ithaca doctor Amitai Worub. An Ithaca climate activist, Vanessa Fahans Turner, has jumped into the race for New York's 22nd Congressional District. Following redistricting, Ithaca was placed into the new, deeply Democratic seat running from Ithaca all the way up to Syracuse. So far, most candidates have come from Onondaga County. According to WAER, Fahans Turner is a Harvard graduate who currently works with Bank FWD, a group advocating for banks to divest from fossil fuels. This week, Governor Kathy Hochul won the support of the New York State Democratic Party at the party's statewide convention in New York City. According to Politico, Hochul easily won party support, taking over 85% of the weighted vote. Hochul will still likely face a challenge in this June's primary election. Hochul has challenges from both her left and right, with centrist Congressman Tom Swosey and progressive New York City public advocate Jamani Williams waging primary campaigns. Democrats retained two state assembly seats in special elections held on Tuesday. According to the Daily News, the 60th District in East Brooklyn elected Nikki Lucas, and the 72nd District in Manhattan elected Manny De Los Santos. Republican candidates didn't factor into either race, with both GOP candidates coming in a distant third place. The Ithaca police are currently investigating a stabbing that took place early yesterday morning. A local business reported that an individual entered with a stab wound around 2 a.m. on Saturday morning. According to the police press release, the victim was initially uncooperative before saying that he was stabbed by a black male on West Village Place. The victim is reported to have been transported to a regional trauma center, but he refused to cooperate further. No suspect description was given and there is no further information regarding the victim's condition. Police continue to investigate but encourage anyone with further information to get into contact with them. 
The merging of the county's public health department and mental health department will continue as planned, according to the public health director, Frank Krupa. The county has been working towards merging the department since 2019. Although COVID has delayed this merger, but as infection rates remain low, other projects plan to return to the forefront. This merger will streamline care for patients who visit both facilities, including the utilization of electronic health records, which are a service that the department has already had in use. The next steps in the merger process will be to expand the mental health webpage, integrate services to provide some additional efficiencies, and to identify a branching team to come up with a new name and logo. Camp Barton, the local Boy Scout camp alongside the west shore of Cayuga Lake, has begun to look more certain after a meeting this past Tuesday between officials and the elected representatives of the village of Trumansburg and the town of Ulysses. This meeting was held to discuss the possibility of New York Parks purchasing Camp Barton from the Baden-Powell Council. The council has turned to selling the property to meet the a $1.4 million financial obligation to the national organization, the Boy Scouts of America, after their $2.7 billion settlement over the tens of thousands of cases of sexual abuse cases brought against the organization. The town of Ulysses and the village of Trumansburg plan to begin the process of composing a Memorandum of Understanding, or an MOU, with the state parks to explore and create an agreement. For George Christopher, I'm Beth Legato. Whether you're a professional birder, budding bird enthusiast, or just someone who watches them pass by every once in a while with a little curiosity in your mind, Cornell Lab of Ornithology's four-day birdwatching event had space for all interested in finding out more about birds. Former news director Jay Bradley talked to Becca Radomsky-Bish, project manager of the Great Backyard Bird Count with the Lab of Ornithology, to find out more about the event. Calling all birders and bird fans, the Cornell Lab of Ornithology has a task for you. Go out into your backyard or any convenient birdwatching location, record which birds you see or hear, and upload that data. If you did that this weekend into Monday, you'd be joining hundreds of thousands in the annual Great Backyard Bird Count, held by the Cornell Lab of Ornithology in partnership with the Audubon Society and Birds Canada. Well, Oiseau Canada, if you're from Quebec. For four days, starting February 18th into Monday, February 21st, these organizations have invited people across the world to spend time in their favorite places, counting as many birds as they can find. For at least once over those days, bird watchers alone or in a group could count the feathery friends they see or hear for 15 minutes or more before reporting it to the eBird mobile app or website. Becca Rodomsky-Bish is the project manager of the Great Backyard Bird Count with the Lab of Ornithology. She says that this information is really valuable to those at the lab and in the field as a whole for giving a worldwide glimpse at bird populations, species, habitats, and more. The results of that can then go into the eBird database, which researchers are using all the time uh, for publication. In 2021, uh, we had over 142 publications that used eBird data. So it's um, it's a really powerful database at this point around the world that people are using. Um, and it's just a fun event. But it goes beyond just the gathering of data. The bird count as an event is something that can bring people closer to birding and birders closer to the science. Yeah, I mean, it's really, it's one of those events that 
can often be what what we the language you use at the lab is it can be a spark opportunity. So maybe somebody who just casually has noticed birds, whether they feed them or they just kind of see them. Um, sometimes that that extra step of actually identifying that bird and then sharing that identification with a larger organization that's using it for research can kind of spark this oh, wow, my observations have some merit here. I can actually do something with this information. And then we have a lot of people who have been watching birds for years and they just decide that they want to put those observations towards something, you know, bigger than themselves, so to speak. Their live submissions map allows people to see all the spots that bird data is submitted from in real time. And it's a worldwide project. Everywhere from Tasmania to Iceland are submitting, with the biggest number so far being in the U.S., Canada, and India. Last year, over 300,000 people participated throughout the world. And if you're worried you might not be able to recognize the birds you see or if you're new to birding, don't worry. The Lab of Ornithology has a special app that you can use called Merlin Bird ID. That walks you through all you need to do to pick out which is the bird that you're seeing. And if you really get into it, eBird offers a downloadable and printable checklist of birds in your area to check off what you see. And eBird makes it really easy to input your results. To figure out where to start, I went on the weekly bird walk at Sapsucker Woods, where the Lab of Ornithology is located up in Lansing. There we saw chickadees, woodpeckers, blue jays, cedar waxwings, cardinals, and more in the trees and at the feeders. Paul Anderson, a member of the Cayuga Bird Club and the guide of the tour, which was geared largely towards newer birders like me, explained what the appeal is for those in the area. So being a birder in Ithaca is, is fantastic. Uh, there's uh, lots of good places to see birds, not just subject woods here, but also we have the lake, at the base of the lake, we get a lot of uh, waterfall kind of coming through. Um, there are a lot of really good natural areas around. For me personally, um, it's, it's several things. It's a way of getting out into the outdoors and having, having something uh, concrete to do that, uh, that makes it really interesting. So, it, and watching birds is, is, in a sense, a bit like a treasure hunt. Uh, uh, you know, you might go to a spot looking for a particular species and then be thrilled when you see the species and, and maybe even you, you see it nesting in that area or something and, uh, and each one of those experiences is just, you know, uh, it's like finding a piece of treasure. He said that this event and the eBird app has been a game changer. It, it's kind of revolutionized uh, ornithology and the hobby of bird watching to the point where it's, uh, we can do things now that we just couldn't do. Paul's love of birds even extended to his ringtone. Birding is open to everybody, you know, um, young or old, big or small. Um, wherever you are, you can get something out of birding. Uh, you don't have to be serious about it. You don't have to buy expensive equipment. You can just go out into your yard and just look at the birds and listen to them. And, you know, if you if you do that, you'll, you'll get something from it. <laughs> My whipper will my wife <laughs> The Great Backyard Bird Count is in its 25th year. And while people have been watching and tracking birds for pretty much all of history, there's now another motivating factor behind all of this too. 
In 2019, the first ever comprehensive assessment of net population changes of birds in the U.S. and Canada by members of wildlife research organizations across North America, including the Lab of Ornithology, showed that the North American bird population has had a net decline of nearly 3 billion with losses across biomes since 1970, especially among common birds. While the eBird dataset and Great Backyard Bird Count was not used for this study, having that data for future research into what affects bird populations and how we can help can be really big. You know, one of the important set reasons why these big data sets are valuable is because we can't really put our finger on the pulse of status and trends if we don't have longitudinal data. So if we hadn't had the 50-year Christmas bird count, we wouldn't be able to look at those numbers. And honestly, the scientists that are in the lab that I see every day were shocked at the results. Like they plugged these numbers in and they didn't know what they were going to get. Um, and it was, it was kind of a wake up call, I think, for anybody that's involved in bird conservation that, you know, this is a, re the, the real deal is happening here. Birds are interwoven in that sixth mass extinction that we're seeing globally in terms of biodiversity. And we got to take some, we got to get serious about, well, it's not that we're not serious. We have to continue to push, um, the uh, the envelope of conservation um, in terms of birds and, and creating habitat and protecting habitat for them because many, many different bird populations are struggling right now. So what then is there to do? Counting them is already a big help, but if you want to do more, Becca says there's things you can do to help the bird population right in your backyard. We need everybody doing something, right? If we want to bend that curve and bring birds back, this is not just, you know, the lab of ornithology or the Audubon's job. This is like all of us getting behind it. And so one of the fun things that I personally do, and I always um, encourage others to do, and I actually speak about it quite a bit through the lab is, um, you know, plant native habitats in the garden season, which is hopefully not too far away. Um, you know, go to your local garden centers, ask for native plants. Let's stop planting exotic and ornamentals. The birds need the native plants because the native plants are what the insects will lay their um, eggs on. And caterpillars of moths and butterflies are the number one food resource for songbirds. Um, they need them to feed them to their young. So if we don't have insects and native plants that the insects are eating, we won't have birds that are able to reproduce. So it's, it's, a, it's a food web. We have to basically reestablish our food webs and strengthen them for bird populations. And then there are other simple things. You can put water out. Water is a requirement. This is especially important in drier areas where water is more scarce. Um, you can put decals on your windows so that birds do not collide into buildings. You can keep your cats inside. That's always the most contentious debate, but um, cats are, are introduced predators in our ecosystems. And so they kill, they're actually, the, they kill actually more birds than buildings um, every year. So there's lots of things that we can do. I think the most fun one is let's just plant habitat for them. When you're making those gardening choices make good ones for the birds. The Lab of Ornithology website also says that reducing excessive plastics, cutting out pesticides, and switching your coffee to a shade-grown offering can all be helpful to helping our neighbors with feathers. Backyard Bird Count is ongoing until Monday the 21st. If you want to take part, download the eBird app on your phone and go to birdcount.org for more details. The beginner bird walks take place on Saturdays at 8.30 a.m. at the Cornell Lab of Ornithology. And to get involved with the different events, courses, and more of the Cayuga Bird Club, find them on Facebook or at cayugabirdclub.org. For WICB News, I'm Jay Bradley. 
Accessibility and the best way to provide it has been a long-running topic of debate, especially on Ithaca College's campus. In this first part of my attempt to find out more about accessibility on IC's campus, I talked to Danny Bishop, co-president of Ithaca College's Disability Education, Advocacy and Resource Club. Let's talk about disability. Almost in a way similar to sex education, disability is a topic that everyone tiptoes around just because they're afraid of asking the wrong questions or not sure how they can support or be there for those around them whose brains or bodies, or both, function in ways very different from their own. Ithaca College is known to be accepting of people with a range of not only identities, but also abilities. However, the conversation about diversity versus inclusion in Ithaca College is one I've had one too many times. And so I found myself asking, is the college's acceptance and their current measures enough for those with needs beyond the normal? After talking to some students in my own personal life who deal with mental and physical disabilities every day and their daily struggles, I decided to talk to some of the people who have these conversations surrounding disability on the regular to try to find out what they think works, what doesn't, and break down some of the misconceptions surrounding disability. So our organization is called Dared IC, which stands for Disability Education Advocacy and Resources at Ithaca College. Um, we started in 2018. Um, I joined the team in 2019 um, at the end of my freshman year. And basically what we do is like we create a safe space for um, allies, those with disabilities, um, just to come together and discuss anything that's going on on campus as well as like uh, learning new things. We, we do a lot of um, like presentations and um, just like group activities together. Um, we also do like panels and we go to talk to classes. So I've talked to a lot of different classes, um, specifically education-based. That was Danny Bishop, co-president of Dear at IC. Ithaca College's only club dedicated to disability education and advocacy, while also providing a safe space for those with disabilities and allies. Ithaca College did not have any organizations dedicated to spreading awareness about disabilities until very recently, 2019 to be precise, despite having had advocacy clubs for other forms of diversity for many years, which was until Ithaca College students Kimberly Cassisi and Ari Domraski who both felt out of place as students with disabilities, decided to make a change. So they decided, well, if no one else is going to do it, we're going to start it. Um, so they did. And in 2019, we were awarded with Best New Club on campus. Um, and after that, we kind of just evolved it, you know, starting to um, do more in-classroom visits. We started um, meeting with departments on campus to discuss um, things that students have told us, as well as our own experiences, how they can make a classroom more accessible, how they can be more accommodating to their students. And so is everyone who's uh, a member of the disability club, you know, someone with some sort of disability or are there people, you know, who are uh, who don't really have disabilities? Um, so we are a safe space for allies and people with disabilities. Um, my co-president is actually uh, an able-bodied person. Um, so we, we have multiple people on our executive board uh, that don't have disabilities, but we also have people that do have disabilities because um, we do think that it is important to not only like create a safe space for those with disabilities, but also to teach those that are allies how they can be allies. 
As someone with multiple disabilities themselves, Danny found a space of belonging at the club. You know, I'm a person with disabilities and I've never seen like a, a group um, that would like meet for, for that. You know, I always grew up like being one of the only kids like, you know, um, I was always singled out all the time in classrooms uh, and such because, you know, I had disabilities and I felt a little bit like an outcast. And then I saw that and I was like, you know what, I'm going to go to a meeting and, um, you know, see what it's about. And they needed someone to do digital media. And I'm a CMD major. So I was like, this is perfect. Um, you know, I'll do their social media for them. And that's basically where I started. Uh, what are your thoughts on accessibility in Ithaca College? Um, so there's like multiple different levels of accessibility. Obviously, um, physically, it's very, un- like, it's not accessible, basically, whatsoever. You know, it is on a hill. Um, and there are uh, multiple elevators that don't work. There are a lot of doors where the, the handicap button, um, it doesn't work or Uh, We had an issue my first year where they would uh, actually shut down the handicap button after 9 p.m. Because apparently disabled people don't go out after 9 p.m. The routes to get to elevators, too, are extremely long. um, And it's it's just a whole mess that way. Um, But for otherwise, it's it's okay. I would say Um, SAS does a decent job at. giving accommodations to people. They're really friendly and uh, they're, they're, they're pretty easy to talk to for the most part. Um, but I do believe that they, um, the college needs to start doing like training sessions with professors and faculty and staff um, because there are a lot of professors that aren't accommodating and um, you know go against people's accommodation plans, which is illegal by the way. Um, So I feel like it needs to be addressed. Um, Talking to the departments has helped for sure. Um, But, you know, we need to take the extra step to like actually train these people to work with those with disabilities um, to make a classroom that, you know, you don't have to like go out of your way to get these accommodations. The accommodations should already be put in place. Like, for example, if someone needs captions on videos, just always put captions on videos, you know, make it accessible in the beginning um, for everybody. Um, I don't know, just make it as safe of a space as possible. They have to learn that they've got a plan in advance um, because, you know, you never know what kind of accommodations people are going to need. And sometimes people can't afford to get um, like a 504 plan. Um, because that is a lot of money to get diagnosed and um, to get these accommodations in place. So having those accommodations in place may help those who don't even see themselves as a disabled person. I also asked Danny what she thinks about the work Student Accessibility Services is doing at Ithaca College. For those who don't know, SES is IC's official non-student organization that helps provide access to students with disabilities, whether it's academic accommodations, physical or residential accommodations, or others. So I think that they, what they do really well is uh, communicating with students. Um, they uh, usually keep up on um, whether we need an update on our accommodation plan. Um, we always get an email every semester saying like, hey, do you want to update your accommodation plan? Um, 
etc. Uh, they're really responsive, so you can get um, a meeting with them pretty easily. They're very kind people. Um, but I, a couple of the things that I think that should be changed is um, this is a like it's it's a small thing I I suppose, but um, they have you um, like do a, complete a form online every single time you need to take a test and you like, if you need like extra time or you need to be uh, put in a space by yourself with like low distractions, um, you have to fill out that form by yourself for every single test, quiz, exam, etc. cetera. Um, and a lot of kids with disabilities um, or a lot of students with disabilities, they forget that they have to do that. So, um, you know, they run out of time. And then they have to take their test with everybody else, which, you know, isn't really necessarily fair. I do believe that that should be on the professors and not on the students because they um, they they get your accommodation plan in advance. Um, you know, it gets emailed out to all of them. So if they see that you need extra time on these exams, they should already they should do that for you. That, that shouldn't be our job. What would you define a disability as and what do you think are some misconceptions about disabilities for me personally I know it's different like case by case but I kind of umbrella mental illness with disabilities because it is disabling um to have like mental illness like depression um or anxiety you know BPD stuff like that um I I do feel like it, it can be very disabling um it can be disabling mentally and physically um, so we always include those types of people in our meetings. You know, I, I myself, you know, deal with those things and I, you know, I see it as a mental illness, but I also see it as a disability. Um, also people like with autoimmune diseases, um, we definitely put them under there because it is physically and mentally, uh, disabling. Um, but you know, of course people with intellectual disabilities and physical disabilities come under that umbrella. Um, but I think the biggest controversy would be with people with uh, mental illness um, because some people disagree with the fact that it is a disability because it's not like, oh, like they're not autistic and in a wheelchair or whatever. Um, but, you know, it's it's a lot more than that. It's a lot more than like being in a wheelchair or like having Down syndrome or, you know, something like that. There is so many disabilities that people don't realize are a thing. Um, because they're either like so rare, so little people have it, or they're just like not educated. Um, so, you know, that's where you, I think that education about I mean, disabilities in general is really important. Join me next week as I talk to Ian Moore, the Director of Student Accessibility Services at Ithaca Colleges, about some similar ideas regarding disability and what his organization does to provide access to disabled students. For WICB News, I'm Himadri Sait. That's all for this edition of Ithaca Now. You can listen to all of our stories on WICB.org. And if you'd like to listen to past shows, follow WICB on SoundCloud and subscribe to Ithaca Now to hear the show anywhere, anytime. Also subscribe to The Latest to hear our daily newscast every weekday. Just search WICB News Presents on your favorite podcast app. For more updates throughout the week, follow WICB News on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. 
This show wouldn't happen without the support and assistance from the manager of television and radio operations, Jeremy Menard, WICB station manager, Connor Hibbert, and programming director, Harrison Kona. Thank you. Ithaca Now is produced by news director Himadri Seid, that's me, with assistance from news managing director Jordan Broking, news production director Beck Legado, and social media and web coordinators Emma Kirsting and Inbaini Andrasan. All of the music from our show's intro and outro comes from Dr. Dundiff of Louisville, Kentucky. Have any feedback, story ideas, just want to say hi? Feel free to reach out by emailing news at wacb.org. We will be back with a full episode of Ithaca Now at 7 p.m. next Sunday.